Hello and welcome back to another episode of Sports Weekly. As always, I'm joined here by my cousin Tyler. And, you know, I think we've just descended into almost like hoping for losses if it means that coaches are, are going to be, like coaches' heads are going to roll. Yeah, I mean, the season is basically lost. They're now four and five. Yep. And so the only thing you're playing for is to try to get to a bowl game. Mm-hmm. At that point, and it's going to be a crappy bullet. That the only benefit of that is you get the 15 extra practices in December, and the coaches can look at some players for next year, maybe. But who knows who's even going to be on the team next year? So, right, I I don't know. I I, I think at this point, and I think we've gotten to the point where even if they went out, defensive staff and maybe some others are probably going to be gone anyway. So, yeah, it's not fun. Um, but we'll talk about the ECU game in a little bit. First, we'll get into some significant college football games from this past weekend like we always do starting off early in the afternoon ohio state beat penn state thank you buckeyes i mean when you got to score 28 in the fourth quarter i mean it looked like penn state was going to take that but then with like nine minutes left their first touchdown was with like nine minutes left in right the fourth and quarter. It, it just shows the the level that ohio state's playing at right now like the fact that like yeah penn state got out on them but ohio state was just like no, we are better than you guys, and yeah. that's it. Like mm-hmm. we are, we are just better in every facet. Yeah, and I'm happy they're better because I can't stand Penn State. Right. Any any time they lose, it's a it's a glad thing, but especially when it's against the Buckeyes because I know how much Penn State fans don't like them. Um, but yeah, so that was a good one. Notre Dame they upset Syracuse. Syracuse was looking pretty good, Bobby and I offense. Uh, but you know they. They just didn't really have it like they did against Clemson and Notre Dame beat them forty-one to twenty-four. Yeah, um, I don't. I at the Carrier Dome too. I don't know. A lot of us are used to Bobby and I the uh, offenses kind of flashing up and down. You know. Like oh, of course. We we had him as our offensive coordinator for how many years? Other than the couple years that Brandon Delman was was in charge, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, I mean, you, you you feel bad for them. Uh, I mean, I can't say that Notre Dame's good. I really can't. No. <laughs> um, I don't know if it was, and I, I don't, and, and yeah, I don't know if it was a a mental thing. Um, I mean, Bob and I has has put an put an offense against Notre Dame twice. So. Right. <laughs> right. Well, I mean. I did the thing where, because I was doing it for an article, which I haven't written yet, and I, I don't know when I'm going to write it about it, just about recruiting and, like, the offers and all that sort of stuff. And for fun, I looked at Notre Dame because we were like, okay, we looked at BYU, we looked at Baylor, let's look at the other church school. Yep. And even though Notre Dame's not a good team, looking at their recruiting history, they at least have good athletes. Yeah. So if they beat a team like Syracuse and, and a good Syracuse team – it makes sense, yeah. Like athlete to athlete wise, so I mean, it's not too surprising. Well, I mean, um, you look at the same thing with with Oregon this year. You know, right after that game against uh, Georgia, you thought for sure it was like, oh man, Oregon's just doesn't have it. But Oregon's got the athletes, uh-huh. and they always will, and so they're always going to be competitive. Yeah, I think yeah. it's the same thing with Notre Dame. That yeah, you can have a down year, but you still have the athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, UCF, they beat Cincinnati, our fellow, uh, our two future Big 12 brothers. Yeah, it was a tough um, one uh, choosing who I wanted to win this game. <laughs> Just kidding. I <laughs> didn't even pay attention to it. 
Well, but, but yeah, because Cincinnati, what were they ranked? 23, 21? I think 21. Something like that. And so, was this played at UCF? Uh, I believe so. Okay. At the bounce house, as they call it? Yeah. And so, I guess through the transit of property, that means that ECU would beat Cincinnati because they beat UCF. Hey, theoretically. So, there you go. And that shows you how good the team that we played this week is. So Oh, absolutely. Just saying, powerhouses? They they were a powerhouse. Like we've talked about all season. The yeah, powerhouse powerhouses. of the East Carolina Pirates. Yeah, the powerhouses right? of the American Conference. Exactly. Yep. Uh, the most sh- probably shocking game of the weekend for me, Kansas State beating Oklahoma State 48 to nothing. Yeah, not just beating them, but just absolutely embarrassing them. Yeah, like I understand. And it was without Adrian Martinez. Yeah, and I understand it was at K-State, but still, I mean... You can't put up any points? Exactly. And what stinks for me is uh, <laughs> Spencer Sanders got hurt, so that's my fantasy QB gone. Oh, so who are you going to pick up? I, I have no idea. I ah. have to look at who's available. Nice. I, I, I haven't even checked yet. My backup was Gary Bohannon. Uh, he's out for the season as well, so nice. looking really good right now. Yeah. But, yeah, that game was shocking to me. Um, I still think Oklahoma State's a really good team. But that is just a really bad loss. Right. Um, and then the last one, Tennessee, they beat Kentucky 43-6. to Again, not even really a contest for Tennessee. I, I love the jerseys that they wore this, this weekend, especially since it was Halloween weekend. Was, they wore the blackout jerseys with the orange okay. accent to it. Was it, it was it actually the blackout or was it their smokes where they're almost like a darker gray? No, it was black. Okay. Like just straight jet black jerseys awesome. with, with orange numbers and everything. That's awesome. Yeah. So it, it fit the weekend of, with Halloween as well. Um, but yeah, those were all like basically the, just the ranked matchups and ranked teams that lost. Only other, I guess, significant college news is that Brian Harson was fired at Auburn. He was fired this morning. Yeah. Um, which and you've got this nice theory that you're hoping comes true. I do. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I'll, I'll just throw it out there. Um, so Brian Harson gets fired and immediately the top candidate for Auburn is Lane Kiffin. Well, he was interested in the job back in 2020 when yeah. they hired Harson. Right. And so if Lane Kiffin does indeed go to Auburn, which I don't know, is, is would you consider Auburn an old, like, is that a lateral move or is that moving up in the SEC to you? Um, the biggest thing that I was reading about today was that Auburn has much better NIL potential, Mm. better boosters, everything like that. And so that's something that you can use to your advantage so much more at Auburn versus Ole Miss. Right. That being said, I mean, isn't Auburn still in the SEC West? Yeah. So theoretically it's a, it's a lateral move, but as far as like money and funding, you are moving up. Yeah, and when I look at the SEC West, I'm thinking if you're not being moved to one of either Alabama, LSU, and I would probably say Texas A&M is the top three. Mm-hmm. And I know Texas A&M have, is having a down year, but since they've joined the SEC, they've continually been been around like one of the top three in that, in that division. Right, well, and the other thing about A&M, you think about how, I mean, they had the number one recruiting class. Yeah, and you money, money, expect- money, money, money. <laughs> no, absolutely, <laughs> there's a lot of beef between uh, old Jimbo and uh, Saban on that. But yeah. the the thing about that recruiting class is that they're all young right now. Get them a year in the program, 
and have them come out next year, and I think they're going to be they're going to look a lot better. Yeah. And you know, watching an A and M game, especially with my brother in law who went to A and M, he's a big Aggie fan. You know, they know that they don't have a quarterback. They just don't. And so, you know, you never know if it's going to be a transfer portal guy, if it's one of those guys from the recruiting class, whatever it is. But you know, they'll they'll turn it around. And like you said, I mean, they're they're top three. And the the crazy part is, you know, Auburn can be in that conversation. They can be. I mean, there are years that Auburn's been really good. I mean, look at when like Cam Newton was at Auburn, right? Um, but ever really ever since then, ever since. 2013, I believe. That's whenever there was there was the the kick six against Bama. Yeah. And they went to the championship against Florida State, and they lost to Jameis Winston. Yeah. Uh, but since then, I mean, Auburn's kind of just been like a mid tier SEC team. Okay, they've beaten Bama like once or twice, but like that's their Super Bowl. Right. Well, everyone so, thought that old Bo Nix was going to be the one to to do it, especially growing up an Auburn fan, starting as a true freshman. Yeah, and being a thought. five-star quarterback. I mean, he had the pedigree for it, yeah. but it just didn't work out. Yep. But, I mean, I'm looking at the SEC West. I mean, you have Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Arkansas, and Auburn, and I feel like all of those are kind of on the same level. Like, you're yeah. you're not like the SEC East where you have a Mizzou and a Vanderbilt. Yeah. You have those – it's basically like those four – and then there's a step up, and then there's like Texas A&M and LSU, and then there's another step up, and there's Bama. Yep. And so I feel like it might be a lateral move. But back to my theory <laughs> is yeah. that so Lane Kiffin leaves Old Miss, goes to Auburn, and at that point I don't know who they'd hire at Old Miss, but say bring back Hugh Freeze, baby. Oh, say say and no, Ed Orgeron could come back. <laughs> say say. No, if it's the, not the great state of Louisiana, he's not going to do it. That's true. That is true. But say Dart just doesn't really care for the new head coach or the head coach doesn't really care for Dart or whatever, and then he can get a waiver from the head coach to be able to transfer and be immediately eligible, and then that way he can transfer to Provo. And Jackson Dart is a BYU Cougar like we all wanted this past offseason. Well, like we all expected. A, a, you, like, absolutely. We all saw it drawn up this way. Well, listen, whenever he was a recruit, BYU was in his final three, didn't work out, went to USC. Whenever he was a transfer, it sounds like BYU was number two to yep. Ole Miss, but didn't work out. Third time's the charm. I'm just saying. I And, and, and listen, well, and the he, fact he, that BYU has shown that it's like zero faith in Conover. Exactly. He's going to walk in and be the day one starter. Yeah. I mean, I did say that the the quarterback for next year is not uh, currently on the roster. Or Jackson is. Dart I mean, is not know. on this roster. You never know if Jaron's going to come back after the year he's had. I I mean, I doubt he does. Granted, I was looking at so I was doing some mock drafts just because, as a Steelers fan, my season's basically over and I want them to lose every single game to yeah, this you gotta point. See, you got to see who you can get. But I I I'm kind of a little draft junkie, and so I like to like look at what's going to be available around where they're drafting right now. That could change definitely. There's still nine games left. Can you pick? the answer, baby. Hey, I still believe. But I was doing some mock drafts and like various websites. Granted, they might have not updated like recently, but he is still a day two pick on pretty much every list that I was looking at. Okay. So he, I think the the one that I like the most is called Mock Draft Database because it takes Mock Draft big boards from all of these different sites and puts them together into their big board. 
So it's kind of a really big consensus one. A big composite. Yeah. And I think Jaron was ranked like 62nd prospect or something like that on their big board. His so day two, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know what that, what that holds. That will be interesting if he does come back. But, yeah, Jackson Dart to Provo. Let's make it happen <laughs> for the for like the third three out of four years in a row. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, I personally don't think it's going to happen. Oh, I don't either. You but know, when you're starting in the SEC like that, like once I understand you you're going to the Big Twelve, but yeah, we can we can dream. But I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, that's just a fun theory I have. But tonight, as of recording this, we're recording this on Monday night uh, on Halloween. It is the eve before the college football playoff releases their top ten rankings. So the AP poll gets thrown out the window. It doesn't mean a thing anymore. And so we thought we'd have a fun idea because, believe it or not, if I mean, if you listen to the show, you know this is, tends to be longer. But we actually think the BYU portion of this show could be a little shorter. Well, than, we, we have nothing else to talk about. We have yeah, nothing else to. There's rant almost on. nothing to say that we haven't already said. Right. Exactly. So we wanted to do our personal top tens, not what we think the committee's going to do, because I feel like that's a little more predictable, and. So I, I think that it would be more fun to just do like our personal top 10 rankings as of right now. And so uh, how did we want to do this? Do we want to go like one pick at a time, like 10, we'd see, each say 10, or just go through our entire list on our own? I think we probably got to go through the entire list on our own. Okay. Because I don't want to like be like, oh, yeah, you make a good point. I'm going to move this to here. Okay. Like, so do I've you want to go first? I've got mine locked in. I, 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 I do as well. Right. I did it at work. So I'll, I'll start. Yeah, I'll, I'll go through mine. Okay. Okay, so on the outskirts looking into the top ten, I've got USC. Okay. You know, you lose to Utah, you lose some points in my, in 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 my book. That's that's fair. No, that's not that's not the actual reason. I I think USC has a lot of talent, um, but at number ten, I've got UCLA. And granted, you know, th- those two teams are pretty equal in my mind. Mm-hmm. They're both one loss teams. Um, one of them beat Utah, the other one didn't. But um, I, th- I think UCLA has a talented roster, and so I've got them at number ten. Number nine, I've got Ole Miss. Um, I you know I I like their team. I like Lane Kiffin, even though he's he's a little bit of a weasel, especially after his Tennessee stint and going to USC and then getting kicked out of that. Yeah, but uh, I think they've they've got a good thing going. They had a tough game against A and M this last week, and they were able to to get it done. At number eight, I've got Clemson. I understand they're undefeated. I just I don't have any belief in their quarterback. I the only thing keeping them in games is their defense. Um, I I just I I I don't really believe in them. I think Will Shipley's a great player, but if you can shut him down, you kind of shut down the Clemson offense. Uh huh. Um, sorry, my phone just went to sleep. Number seven, I've got Oregon. Um, this this might be a BYU bias because BYU lost to them, but I think they're clicking. They they're figuring it out. Uh, Bo Nix. I don't know if he was just a bad SEC quarterback, but he's looking pretty good in the Pac-12. Um, number six, I've got TCU. They're undefeated. Um, they beat. Was it Oklahoma State last week? Um, I think they 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 look good. Uh, they they're kind of like a under the radar team. Uh, five, I've got Bama, just outside of the top four, which I would I would personally love, but that's just you know the cynic in me. 
Yeah. To have Bama outside of the college football playoff for the first time since its existence. Um, but yeah, I've got I've got Alabama at fifth. They have that one loss against Tennessee. Four, I've got the undefeated Wolverines of Michigan. Um, standing up for the guy that uh, was bullied by all those Michigan State players <laughs> yeah. after their game. Um, number three, I've got Tennessee. I think Hendon Hooker is a great quarterback. He's fun to watch. That offense is fun to watch. Uh, number two, I've got Georgia. And then at no, I, I got nothing to say about Georgia. Georgia's Georgia. Uh-huh. The, I don't think they're as good as last year, but they're still Georgia. Yeah. And then number one, I've got Ohio State. I think Ohio State uh, is the most complete team in the country. I think C.J. Stroud is a great quarterback, and he's got great weapons. And their defense is doing enough to make sure they don't lose games. Mm-hmm. Um, they're undefeated as well. I think I have all the undefeated teams in my top ten. The one I was always waffling on was Clemson just because I really don't. I, I, I really have a hard time with them. Oh, I do too. That being said, I, I feel like it's unfair. Like, you're undefeated for a reason. And so, yeah, that's my that's my top ten. It's because the ACC is bad. That's why. So, basically, <laughs> yeah. So, I would have Ohio State playing Michigan in the first round. and then Or in the, in I don't even know what the bowl games are this year. But Ohio State playing Michigan and then Georgia playing Tennessee. Fiesta is one said, of them. Yeah, this this can change a lot because Georgia and Tennessee play. Um, Ohio State and Michigan play. Ohio State and Michigan play. And so, but I mean, how great would an Ohio State-Michigan playoff game be like? Yeah. Oh, man. I would love to see that. Yeah. The unfortunate thing is that because of, like, conference championships and everything, that probably won't happen. Well, right. Well, but to be fair, it's the same argument that Tennessee and Georgia are going to have as far as like well and that's know, why I look at this and it's like unless Bama loses in the conference championship or loses another game in the regular season they're in they're going to be in the playoff yeah. the, the, the loss to Tennessee didn't really affect them right they're, they're going to be in anyway because the thing is say say that Georgia beats Tennessee Georgia goes on to lose in the championship to Bama mm-hmm. then you got three SEC one yeah, loss this is the whole argument I was talking about really a couple good. weeks ago now, say Michigan beats Ohio State in the regular season, and then Michigan wins and wins the championship. But the problem is, is Ohio State has looked like a very talented team. How do you, how are you going to reconcile five to six teams? That it's like I feel bad leaving any of these guys out. Well, and then you have the problem of you got a TCU. If, if TCU goes undefeated, if undefeated Clemson's champion, undefeated. If Oregon wins out, and if Clemson I, goes undefeated champion, you and might have the most complicated playoff since the things, first year. It, it's one of those things that, like, you think this committee would just be like, you know what, we're doing eight this year just because we can. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, well, it's, it, it, I, I think this could be the most complicated playoff since the first year because the first year the whole thing was. Are they going to put Ohio State in over TCU and Baylor? Because TCU's only loss was to Baylor, I think, prior to the season or, or in the season, and then Baylor's only loss was to TCU in the championship. Right. So you got one loss teams, and then to each other who played in the championship, and then Ohio State's loss was to Virginia Tech, a bad Virginia Tech team, all the way in like the first or second game of the season, mm-hmm. and they ended up jumping it. 
And right. it's like, well, you didn't play the extra game. Yeah. Um, so, I, yeah. So, my, my top I will ten. Say, we do let, have a little let disparity, let me, let me too. Let me make one, a couple quick comments. Um, Oregon, the only chance they're going to have, they have to win out. They yeah. gotta win the championship. They gotta. They well, gotta they have to do it convincingly. Win the rest of, yeah, exactly. Like it's one of those things that if if they go to the championship and it's a close game against USC, sorry, <laughs> you're going to the Rose Bowl and that's it. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I honestly, you know, I put UCLA and USC at ten and eleven, but I don't think they have a shot at the college football playoff just because there's not enough quality teams on their schedule. I mean. Yeah, you play UC like USC plays UCLA and Oregon, but if they don't win those in blowout fashion, and there's not other stuff that happens at the top, nothing. Like the only the only Pac-12 team that has a chance is Oregon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, and that's also because their only loss, even though it was terrible, is to Georgia. Right. That also helps a little bit. Um, all right, anyway, so my so yeah, my top ten. Uh, so we right off the bat we have something different. Wow. Um, so looking in, I have Ole Miss. Okay. And See, the, my bottom three, I was waffling. You can around. interchange them. Yeah. I mean, I, I even Ole Miss, cons- I even considered and maybe it was just recently bi- recency bias. I'm like, I could consider. Can can I put K State at ten? Like, <laughs> like because they just beat the crap out of I, Oklahoma State. I do think that that's probably a recency bias thing. But yeah. Well, I mean, I wouldn't have them that far out. I'd probably have them at twelve or thirteen. Sure. Um, Having let Prague, uh, leapfrogged um, Utah, of course. Absolutely. I mean, Utah's around what like. 22 just kidding yeah yeah for sure um but no it's so number 10 i have usc okay uh so only losses to utah in rice Eccles. outside of that they've won a lot of games big they have that high powered offense do i think they're a playoff team probably not i just right. don't trust the team overall right but i do think that they're still a really good team um and their only loss i mean we watched that game and I've I've never been to a game at Rice Eccles, but I know from everybody that's told me it's a hard place to play. It's tough. Um, it's tough to be a fan at too. Right. I can tell you that much, especially I, when they hate you. When they hate you. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah I know. That's fun. Um, but yeah, so I have USC at ten, just outside of Ole Miss, and they got the edge over Ole Miss for me because when I look at Ole Miss's wins, so overall I could say that the. SEC is definitely a better overall conference than yep. the Pac-12. But to me, USC's wins were more convincing than even Ole Miss's just because I look at the scores of them, and I'm like, they're close. And then they're too close for me to even put them above USC, but they're at 11. Like that, sure. That's the only thing holding them back for me. Yep. Nine, I have UCLA. Yeah. Um, I mean, pretty similar thing to USC. They've looked really good. Their one loss is to Oregon. Um what was the final score was 45 to 30. So, I mean, they got beat decently, but otherwise also playing in Eugene too. You, yeah. You wonder how and, that game goes at the Rose Bowl. You know, they, they beat, they beat Utah. So maybe there is a little biasy there. Hey, like I said, I think that's why I have UCLA above USC. Yeah. I mean, whereas, I do too. I do whereas too. like, like my, my actual belief is that USC has the more high powered offense that, in a shootout match against UCLA, probably gets the like, gets the edge. Yeah, versions. like if, if we were betting on that game, whenever they play, I'm going to probably say USC should win. Yeah. Um, Even though it's in the Rose Bowl, yeah. I don't think that's much of a – Yeah, but that's like it's what? It's not much of a 20, home, home 2,000 fans? I, 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 you know, I wonder how it is now, like if it's getting better now oh. that the team's top 10. Okay, 5,000. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, 
that's that's more than double. And it's not Stanford. That's more than Stanford. Stanford, I, I am sure that so, – so back home, two undefeated teams. Aliquippa is one of them, which I've nice. told you, talked to you about. Central Valley is another one. They're the top two teams in the state, and they played this past weekend. They're both undefeated. I'm sure they had more people at that high school game than they did at Stanford, probably their most recent home game. Oh, absolutely. So I, 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 am, I can guarantee that, that that's the case. Yep. Um, all right, so moving on. Eight, I have Oregon. Um, so I actually I have three top ten or three Pac-12 teams to round out the top ten. Yep. Um, they've been really good since that loss to Georgia. That's the only bad mark is that they got blown out by Georgia. Right. But ever since then, they've looked really good. Yeah. And like we just talked about, they're the only chance for the Pac-12 if they want to get to the playoff. They have to win out and do it convincingly. Um, but I, I think, and I debated putting Clemson behind them too. And it's like, in my gut, do I think Oregon and Clemson, if they played, who would beat who? And I think a lot of that probably depends on the quarterback play of Clemson. If quarterback play... And and to me, that is also why... I'll just move on. Seven is Clemson. Uh Uh, And to me, I think that their wins against... North Carolina State, Wake Forest, and Syracuse do not look as they as good as they did even a week ago, um, and I don't think that they have a quarterback right now. I mean, DJ has been working through some issues there. I don't think they know who the starter is going to be on a week to week basis now, and because he got benched against Syracuse, yeah, and so I I I, th- I think that they kind of have to figure that out. And so even though they're undefeated, it is against a poor ACC conference. I mean, they did have some ranked wins in there, but like I said, those ranks, those wins don't even look as good now. Well, it's not like the Pac-12 is like a powerhouse conference. No. You know, like, and that's the hard part. It's like, am I going to pick an undefeated ACC guy or am I going to take a one loss to an SEC team Pac-12 guy, you know? And, right. And like you said, it, as far as coming down to quarterback play, absolutely. Yeah. Because the thing is, when Oregon's offense is clicking, they play really well. Yeah, you saw it. Yeah, I saw it <laughs> firsthand. Oh, you saw the first half at least. <laughs> yeah, I saw it firsthand. Right, left right after, like not long after halftime. But um, but Clemson, like honestly, I I I truly believe that without Will Shipley, they're not good. Mm. Their running back is the only one keeping them in games. Yeah, and just because DJ is so up and down, you know, everyone thought he was. The, the second coming of Cam Newton, and it's like, mm, sorry, Cam was much better than than DJ. For sure. But if he were to enter the transfer portal, would I want him to come to BYU? Absolutely. <laughs> I, <laughs> I still have, you know, what's funny is I still, I'm still holding out hope for Conover. I really am. Oh, I want to, but at this point, it doesn't even matter what I think. To me, it just... The coaching staff doesn't trust him, so it's like yeah. if the coaching staff doesn't trust him, how much hope should I have? No, that's true. Um, but yeah, so Oregon at eight, Clemson at seven, I have Bama at six. Okay. Um, so when you look at Alabama's schedule, to me, it kind of reminds me of Ole Miss's schedule, except a little bit better. So like they're okay. they're beating the teams by a little bit more, but they're not beating the teams except for outside of Vanderbilt, I think. In Alabama fashion, that yeah. they they should be winning by, um, I, I I just think 
maybe like wait and see. My my ranking for Bama could change. They could jump up to four or maybe maybe even five after because I I think talent wise, Bama is easily one of the top three teams in the country. Yeah. But as far as just the way they've won games this season, and they have that loss to Tennessee, they play LSU I think this weekend, and so LSU's ranked fifteenth. They've been surging since their like one and two start, and so. See what happens there that might change, but right now I just have Bama at six because I just I, I look at their schedule and it's like I know that not not all of it is based off of your resume, but you definitely rank teams based off of the resume as well. Yeah, uh, and like the outcomes of the games, and so that's why I just am not as impressed as I should be. Uh, TCU is at five, undefeated. I think the Kansas State win looks really good right now, and the, even despite the the forty eight to nothing loss, I still think the Oklahoma State win is is a good win as well. They're undefeated. If if they go if they went out, they're in. I mean that that's just to me that's how it is. It, it's kind of like if I'm going to say if Clemson wins out, they're in. I think top to bottom, the Big Twelve is a better conference than the ACC. So sure. I just don't see a reason why TCU wouldn't be in if they won out. Yeah, no, I agree. Um. Moving on, our our top three is or our top four. So we have four the same, and we have th- one through three different. Okay, so you have so four, four is Michigan. I have Michigan, and listen, they won big at Penn State. Appreciate it, Michigan. I I love that. <laughs> but whenever I look at some of their other wins, I'm like, you didn't really win as much as a, a top four team should have. And also, I I will automatically put Ohio State ahead of them because at least Ohio State tried to have a good non-conference team play with Notre Dame. Yeah, they now, tried. <laughs> but, but it's out of their control whether Notre Dame's good or not. No, absolutely. They at least scheduled Notre Dame. Yeah. And Michigan, they scheduled Colorado State, Hawaii, and UConn, I believe, was their out-of-conference schedule. I mean, I, it, knew, it, 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 like, I knew Colorado State and Hawaii, and granted, you know, I'll I'll give it I'll give it to them because they're trying to figure out their quarterback. But that third game should have been something better. Well, yeah, I even if it's a bad Power Five team, it should have been a Power Five team, right? And that's why I I I am I don't think Michigan deserves to be in the top three just because they're out of conference schedule. Sure, I I will hold See, that. I, I'll I, hold that against them. I fully believe you know you play your nine conference games. One of them should be a power five, one of them should be a group of five, and one of them should be your FCS tune-up. Which is what Ohio State did. Absolutely. Like, and, and, you know, you could make the argument that, well, at least they went three group of fives. Well, I guess well, sure. UConn's independent, right? So, I mean, I, you can you can use that argument. I don't think it's a good one, but you can use that argument. Yeah, but they also scheduled three of the worst group of five teams as well. <laughs> okay. How, I mean, you knew the Hawaii was going to be bad. How are you supposed to know that Colorado State there? Colorado State's weird in the way they play. Like Sometimes they'll be like 9-3, and three, and other times they'll be 2-10. and 10. Okay. But at the same time, you knew Hawaii was going to be bad. You knew UConn was going to be bad. Yeah, no. So, I, so I get your point. Is Colorado State the Power 5 equivalent? Is that what we're saying? Absolutely. <laughs> that's what Absolutely. we're saying. Hey, yeah. when they get their Pac-12 invite. You'll be you'll be sorry. Yeah. No, I, I I do agree though. I mean, there's a reason that I put Michigan at four. I don't know that they can crack the top three. Yeah. Quite honestly. I mean, they, to me, they won't do it the until they, they play Ohio State. Yeah. If, and they, if they beat them, if they beat Ohio sure. State, absolutely. They'll probably be it's number yours. two in the country if they beat Ohio State. Yep. 
and then number one will probably be the winner of Tennessee and Georgia. Right. So, I, I don't know. We'll see. But number three, I have Georgia. Okay. Um, so, they have the win over Oregon, which Oregon is now a top 10 team, which yeah. which looks even better now. But there's some games where I'm like, it's it's kind of a similar scenario with some of these SEC teams. I'm like, the SEC is supposed to be all big and mighty, but you are kind of like sweating out some of these wins. Yeah. Uh, and I and with Georgia specifically, I look at the game against Mizzou, and I get it, Mizzou's an SEC team, but are they? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> well, hey, Mizzou beat BYU, so... Well, that's not really saying much. <laughs> uh, but, so, you, you sweat out a win against Mizzou, you hang or you basically play with your food with Kent State for three quarters. Yeah, that you, one was... I, I mean, it was... It was like a one-score game for three quarters of the game, and then even Samford, I know. So they beat them. I think it was either thirty to nothing or thirty-three to nothing. Which normally, if if that was the case, like if BYU beat a team thirty-three to nothing, even if it was an FCC, FCS team, whatever. But I went and looked, and I pretty I think Georgia was favored by fifty-eight in that game. Yeah. So it's like, I just I'm I'm not I'm not a huge fan uh, of some of your wins, and and so. I, I and I also don't think that you have the best win in the SEC yet, which a team ahead of them does, and I think is the best win in college football this season Tennessee. as far as beating ranked opponents. Yeah, so Georgia stays at three. Number two, I have Ohio State. Okay. Um, their I win. Say, I know. I know Ohio State can't be number one if we had that difference. So yeah. So the win over Penn State was really good, but also. Unless they had that miraculous fourth quarter, they could have lost to Penn State. Yeah, which I mean is is also fair. I think this the talent gap on on Ohio State to the rest of the Big Ten outside of maybe Michigan is huge. I think they are a great team, but to me, I I think when it comes to who I was putting at number one, I was looking at who has the best win out of. Because, like I said, it's not just, like, who's the best team. Resume has a factor into it as well. And right now, Tennessee has the best win. They beat Alabama, and right now, they're cruising. And whenever they played Pitt in the beginning of the season, I think they won 34-27, to which I was like, okay, I don't know how good Tennessee is, but that stinks. And now looking back at it, it was like, how did Pitt only did lose 34-27? to that was, just, that was like the second game of the season, but... Uh, I, they've looked really good to me, and I think that you can hang your hat on that Alabama win. Yeah. It was the first time they won in 15 or 16 years. And, I mean, they'll play Georgia. Is that this week? And It might be. I, I think it is. And so that, that could change. It is this but, week. But as of right now, I just think the play of Hendon Hooker, and I don't even know that wide receiver's name, but it, whoever's number 11. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> whoever's number 11. They're playing great right now. Um so, yeah, that's that's my number one. So, just going through the top ten again, I have ten USC, nine UCLA, eight Oregon, seven Clemson, six Bama, five TCU, four Michigan, three Georgia, two Ohio State, and one Tennessee. Yeah, and, you know, some of these are going to change as as the season goes on. I mean, They'll change after they this week. To. Yeah. I mean, ten, Tennessee and Georgia play each other. So Right. Well, <laughs> and, you know, Ohio State and Michigan play, and it'll, it's, it'll be interesting to see how it kind of shapes up. Um, we pretty much have the same, the same exact teams in our top eleven. 
Yeah. I think we I just, think we do have the same team. It's just a little bit different on the ordering. Uh-huh. Um, except for number four. Michigan. Yep. Michigan at number four. Solid number four. Um, but that brings us to a team that will never sniff the college football playoff. And that is the team that we love here in Provo, Utah. And that's the BYU Cougars, who had a thrilling 27-24 game against the ECU Pirates. Um, you know, there's not much to say about this game. We were expecting uh, – I, I mean, I was expecting a bigger loss. I mean, as, so as, as far as my score went, I predicted 38-35. to 35, So Yeah, you got it the three-point margin. It wasn't quite the score I predicted, but it played out pretty much the same as I saw. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know – I was expecting some crazy special teams blunders. <laughs> yeah. And here's the thing. The special teams proved themselves to me this week. They're not going to get an F? They're not getting an F. Hey, there you go. They're not getting an A. Well, no. <laughs> but they're not getting an F. I mean, they've gotten an F, what, three weeks in a row? So Yeah. So, But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if there's much else to say on this game. One thing I will say, you know, they they forced that run game to work. Yeah, and, and and that was one thing that it it's promising, but at the same time, it's like, okay, how hurt is Jaron that you're not trusting him to throw it? I know he hasn't looked good the last couple of weeks. What's going on? Well, that's what I was confused about because the first like five plays of the game were all runs, and I'm like, listen, I know he's hurt, but this is not our offense. Well, this <laughs> Typically is an ECU our... team that gives up 280 yards passing a game, right? So I yeah. I. I it, it was really weird to see him keep handing off the ball. And look, if it's working, don't knock it. I get that. But at the same time, at what point were you like, handoff, handoff, handoff. Hey, play action might work here because they're expecting a handoff. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Like it, it was just kind of interesting that, you know, I think they come in with a game plan and they're so focused on that game plan that they're not going to deviate from it. Yeah. Yeah, it, it it was definitely weird because that was the first thing I noticed is like, why are they running the ball so much? Yeah, because typically I'm like, hey, Beanie had a great night. He he did, he did, and even Jaron got in some runs there, which I wish he would do more. Oh, if he's I, gonna be in there, use your legs more. Well, I leaned over to to Annika and I was just like, he's finally doing what we were hoping he would do. Like, I'm not asking you to to be Taysom and have design runs every third play. But what I am asking you to do is if you see the two safeties are vacating for the sidelines, split them. Yeah. You can run right up the middle on these guys. Yeah. I can't, I can't think of how many times this season he could have either run for a first down or just run for positive yardage. And instead he's trying to be the pocket passing quarterback. And I'm like, you have the the ability to be a running quarterback. I'm not saying you need to be, but you have that sprinter speed ability. Right. Use it from time to time. Yeah, we absolutely. saw that a few times in this game, which was nice to see. The run game. I mean, yeah, they had two hundred and twenty some odd yards, that which is unheard of this yeah. season. I mean, there was there was games where we were like, are they going to break a hundred? Yeah. Um. So that that was good, but overall, the offense to me just so lackluster. Yeah. And I feel like that's kind of the definition of the offense the entire season is lackluster, especially with the expectations that we had on it. I mean, well, after the Baylor game, we thought for sure. I mean, Chase Roberts had a great game. And then even against, 
you know, Wyoming and Utah State, you had different receivers kind of coming out as, as these great options. And what's what's been so weird is that, like, all of a sudden these guys have disappeared. And if we're going to pass the – like, and, in, in, you know, this, this might sound a little odd, but honestly, when Puka's on the field, the rest of the receivers suffer. Jaron looks for one guy when number 12's on the field. He has a hard time looking around otherwise, unless yeah. – the play is specifically designed to go to someone else. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, if Puka's not open, he's going to wait for him to get open. Especially now that uh, Cody Epps is out for the season, by the way. he uh, They haven't announced what it is, but based off the video that we it saw, looks an awful it seems lot like, like a, like a broken, broken wrist. wrist. <laughs> yeah, he's, they announced that he's out for the season. Yeah. He's and the only one that, even in the Notre Dame and Arkansas games, were also getting targets from Jaron, even though Puka was on the field. Right, absolutely. And, and you know, you thought Chase – you know, I wonder if Chase is fully there um, just because he was out for how many weeks and then I think he made a catch or two in this game. But, like, I don't know. It's It's been kind of weird. Like you said, lackluster. It doesn't seem like he's saying, running the same routes, though. Right. I don't know. It's It's been kind of weird. Um, the tight end's not, not involved very much. And – I, I, I don't I don't get what's going on. Um, they've had such a weird regression on offense from the beginning of the season, and and it, you know it's it's concerning because we thought for sure that the offense was going to be the reason we were going to be in games because our defense wasn't doing anything. That being said, the defense in the first quarter forced two punts. I mean, <laughs> yep, if you would have yep, told me that was going to happen, I I'd have never believed you. That's true. You're, yeah, you're totally right. I, and I mean, by far the defense was not any anywhere near the definition of good. But they were but better. I, I think they were they were improved off of last week. Yeah. And I think that's probably the sign of Kalani's taking over the defense. It'll take time for it to change, but you saw some things change. You, yeah. you saw a little bit of difference. It wasn't the same defense that played at Liberty. And there, I mean, there's still things that really irk me. Like I think the linebacker play is still terrible. Oh, absolutely. Uh, what and what used to be the strength of our defense is is now I don't I don't know what. I, and and I believe it's because there's not a leader on the defense. Yeah. And well, you're telling me that Tyler Batty's the leader of that defense, and the guy that should have been the leader, Keenan, seems like he's just decided, nah, I'm in it for myself. That's it. Like, oh well. Well, that and, and just. Play, players that played decent last year, like Ben Bywater, I don't know what oh. is wrong with him. But right. he he will not come take on a blocker. He waits for the blocker to come to him when he's just sitting seven or eight yards off the ball. Yeah. And it drives me nuts. Also, the guys that are trying to keep outside contain, you ask me, what's outside what's to contain <laughs> during the game? Because it's like that is one of the biggest problems of the defense that we see is like no one keeps outside contain. And so – it, whether it's the quarterback or a running back, they'll just bounce it out and they can get a positive yardage gain every single time. Yeah. They, 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 and that's – I don't know if that's on the coaches because, I mean, that's something you could teach, like what to do. They're just not doing it. But I don't know. I mean, the defense is what it is. We know what it is at that point. To me, the, the biggest disappointment in this game was the offense situationally. Yeah. Because uh, I know what to expect from the defense at this point. Yeah, I I know that you were going to give up a lot of yards. You're going to probably give up a lot of points, but we hope the offense can at least bail us out and put up some points on the board. 
And that's why I said to you yesterday at dinner, though, I was like, I'm sticking by what I said like a month ago after the, was it the Utah State game, I think, or something like that. I think that Aaron Aaron Roderick is not that great of an offensive coordinator in terms of play calling. Mm -hmm. I think he's a good play designer. Uh, At this point in the season, I haven't seen any changes to play calling in the offense. And so it's like I have no proof to say why he would be a good play caller. I think he's a good play designer because we've seen plays that he's designed. But I just think in-game, he's just not good at it. Sure. I think he has a hard time making adjustments to what the defense is throwing him. Um which, you know, is huge for an offensive coordinator to be able to see something like that. Um, and that's where, that's where you know, Grimes was always on the field. And he had his guys telling him what was going on from the booth. Mm-hmm. And whether it was A-Rod, like, you know, there's rumors that A-Rod was the one that was actually calling the plays. You know, what, and, and maybe he has a hard time with the pressure of, of, like, having the title of offensive coordinator. I don't know. Right. But... One thing I will say is, you know, going back to my point, Jaron looks for one-two on the field. That's it. And, you know, when when he's covered, like, I, I was thinking about that Liberty game. Liberty realized, like, oh, hey, that Puka guy, he's he's getting a lot of touches. So let's just make sure he doesn't kill us in this game, and let's see what happens. Because there's times that it was just like, okay, you got other guys that are open, Jaron. Like, you can throw to him. But he won't. He's probably like, more hurt than he actually is. Oh, says I, he is. I, absolutely. Like I mean, at this point, he probably has a torn AC joint, and he's just powering through it. Well, this is the same guy that, after Arizona State gets knocked out of the game, and it's just like, ah, oh, yeah, and, you know, just just kind of got the wind knocked out of me. It wasn't that big of a deal. And then Baylor's all of a sudden playing for, like, three games in a row. Mm-hmm. And then you find out, oh, you cracked a rib. Okay. Yeah. Well, no wonder you're not playing. And this goes back to my even earlier point of they just don't have any trust in Conover. And it's one of those things where we're not going to get any worse. <laughs> yeah, like nobody can give me a good reason why he couldn't have played the last nine minutes of Liberty. Absolutely. We're down by 30. What's the point? I believe that he should have been in at the end of the game against Oregon so he can experience that nice hostile crowd like that. He should have been at the end of Liberty. Maybe, possibly Arkansas. I can also see the reason I mean, why not. I mean, he well, did they play, also but. they also tried to, but that was where there was like five minutes left in the game, and for some reason right, the defense get, actually decided to not let them score. Right. So the clock was just draining out. Right. And and you know it's it's just it's so frustrating to to be like, okay, you guys were saying that he was putting pressure on Jaron. You gotta actually nut up here and show us that. Yeah. Like show us that you have a belief in him. He's not I understand that your scheme's probably not the same with him as it is with Jaron because Jaron's a little more mobile. But you gotta let Conover show you what he can do in a game. And I tell you what, if we play Utah Tech and Jaron's playing the entire game, I don't know that I will even watch the Stanford game. Hey, I mean he might have to play the entire game. Utah Tech, they could put up points, and this defense is bad. Also, I didn't, I didn't say, I didn't mention our foes. Yeah, you didn't mention those scores. So run through those. So, so this week we got the the mighty Broncos of Boise State. 
Yeah, so Boise State, they won 49-10 to against Colorado State. Just what we wanted to see the week before. We're actually going up to go watch the game. All right, but it's Colorado State. They were ranked 131 of 131 earlier this season. Oh, I know. Granted, but, don't get me wrong. We are like, you know, 101 of 131. I actually don't know where we sit. That's just where I put us. Oh, yeah. Um, Just because it was so funny. I was looking at the AP rankings this morning. Uh, when I was looking to put together my top ten, and I saw, and I was looking at like teams receiving votes, and I was like, I remember when BYU was in there. Mm. Well, those were the days. Those were the days. Yeah, but uh, Utah Tech they actually won their first FCS game, so congrats to them. They hey. beat Stephen F. Austin forty-seven to forty-four. Oh man, close game. Yeah, barn burner there. Uh, but but that's the thing. Utah Tech is bad. And I actually have a coworker that went to Utah Tech, and he tells me, like, they are a bad football team overall, but the one thing that they can do is put up points. Sure. Their defense just can't stop any points. And I'm like, well, sounds familiar. Yep. Except for the part where they can put up points. Well, uh, in, in recent history, absolutely. In recent history. Um, so, I, and this this made me think. Before I, oh, yeah, Stanford, they lost to UCLA 38-13, whatever. Sure. Um but this made me think, going into that Utah Tech game, say we go we go up to the blue and BYU just gets steamrolled, like 55 nothing, just some absurd score. What do you think the line is for Utah Tech? Because I can't see – normally, if BYU is playing Utah Tech, at the beginning of the season you ask me what's the line, I'm saying it's probably close to 40. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any way it's above 20. Oh, yeah, I was going to say somewhere around, like, 17. Yeah, the, I, I, I am very curious to see what that line would be because, granted, even if BYU wins, but it's the defense still gives up a lot of points. I just I can't see a way that the line should be any more than three touchdowns at this point, even against an FCS opponent Yeah, for how bad that team is. But anyway, that's, that's in a couple weeks. Um, yeah, I think looking at this, I, I just – looking situationally, BYU on fourth down is what, what are they four of twenty on the season, and then two of their last seventeen or something like that. Like it, it's pathetic. Well, but, that that used to be the thing that like Kalani was very is very known for being aggressive as far as going for it on fourth, but I think teams are figuring that out and they're realizing like oh we don't need to be scared. Like why would we need to be scared? It's fourth and one, but we know that their line can't get a push on us. So we just have to like it's one of it, like it's I think my dad was saying this at at dinner, um, but he was talking about the fact that like that defensive line and offensive line it is all about who wants it more, mm-hmm. and so it just doesn't like our line doesn't look like they want it more. Yeah, like it's a it's a matter of desire of getting to the quarterback or desire of pushing the guy out of the way, and yeah, our line just doesn't look like. A, no one looks like they they want to to do it. I, mm-hmm. I don't think I don't like. I, I think this team's gotten to the point where it's like, well, just chalk this season up as a loss. And hey, if we don't do a bowl game, then I get an early an early winter, an early Christmas. <laughs> That's true. You know, and you know, I I don't want to get too far into this. We've we've harped on everything. We've we've talked about how soft they are. We've talked about a lot of different things. Yeah, the culture's um, bad right now. It's, yeah. It's just bad. My my whole thing that I wanted to talk about wasn't even the defense. The defense is what it is. We know what it is. 
my whole thing from this past game is the offense and looking at the offense and a lot of it has to do with not just the offensive line or the people that are on the field. A lot of it has to do with Aaron Roderick and me losing trust in Aaron Roderick as an offensive coordinator. Sure. I, and something that actually Jeff from Give Him Hell Brigham talked about on the East Carolina uh, post-game show for their, them, someone asked a question. Um, it was about Tyler Algier. And it was something that was brought up by Jeff that basically I think even supports my claim that uh, Aaron Roderick isn't that great of a play caller is that a, a big difference between this year and last year is Roderick doesn't have the crutch of handing it to Tyler Algier when he doesn't know what to do. Oh, absolutely. And that, that I think that's very evident because you could have given it to Tyler Algier, whether it was third and long, third and short, and he was probably going to fight for that first down, if not get it. I, I, I just think that without him and without that security blanket for him, I don't think he knows always what to do in those scenarios. And... Part of that, and Jeff brought this up, is like there's no clear-cut guy who's going to be that guy this year. But to me, that even supports my claim even more. Is like, I if you're a good offensive coordinator, I don't think you need one guy that you can rely on, and that's the only guy that you know you can rely on. I think you should be able to use the offense to be able to call plays to your advantage anyway if you're a good offensive coordinator. That's the whole reason I dislike Matt Cannell with the Steelers is because – the whole thing, and then we're showing it that this year that doesn't work. Uh, anyway, he's still a bad offensive coordinator, but everybody was like, oh, well, Ben's last year, he's not mobile. Matt Canada likes mobile quarterbacks. I'm like, well, if you need a mobile quarterback to fit your system, then you shouldn't be an NFL offensive coordinator. Right. Because you should be able to make an offense around what you have. And that's well, kind of how I feel about Aaron Roderick and not having Tyler Algier, I think, kind of supports that in a way because you should be able to call plays without him as your security blanket. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think this goes back to what we were talking about last week is that you shouldn't be forcing players to fit your scheme. You should be building your scheme around the talent that you have in your players. And so this year being such a deep wide receiver pool, what what's going on? Like we were showing that early and then all of a sudden we got away from it. And I get it, Gunner's – Gunner's played in two games this year, yeah. and and Puka's been in and out. But like, what happened to Cosper? Cosper has completely disappeared, and I think it's because he's not like he's on the field. He's just not getting it thrown to. Just same with Keanu Hill. Yeah, all Keanu's done is block for Cody Epps. Right, <laughs> and I tell you what, Keanu is great at it. He's a he great is blocker. a great blocker downfield. But how on earth do you do you not? Use that one time, fake the bubble screen, and have have Keanu just sprint out and throw it deep to him because he's shown that he's a possession receiver too. Mm-hmm. He'll go fight for the ball. Yeah, a lot of those guys will. And it's just it's so interesting that that they need the crutch of a good running back in order for it to work. I mean, you look at Algier last year and how gassed he would be at the end of games, and you could see it. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at that USC game. He, 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 Jackson McChesney had to go in because Tyler Algier literally physically could not just run the ball one more time. Yeah, he's sitting he there sucking air it. on the sideline because he's just like, I, I'm beat. I, you guys have been riding me all year. And it's just, it's just crazy to me that, that you can't fit your scheme around the players that you have, especially because offensively you have a lot of talent. Yeah. 
And so let's get to our grades. Um, also, your dad brought. He's like, he's like, if I was BYU, I would send uh, Aaron Roderick to go hang out with Andy Reid for a little bit and just learn from him how to call plays. Absolutely. Considering Andy was at the game this last week. Yeah. Because they had a bye week. And how so, embarrassing. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> you almost wonder, it's like, can we give you a headset coach and let you just call some of these? <laughs> right. Anyway, um, so let's jump into grades. Okay. Um, offense, you got the running game going. I'm going to give you that. But the rest of it was just so unimpressive. I mean, Jaron was 144 yards. For a guy that was averaging almost 300 yards per game, and all of a sudden, nothing. Nothing's been going on the past few weeks, and like yeah. you said, he's probably more hurt than than his let yeah, on. He's got to be. And so I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna I'm gonna give him a D plus. Um, it was that or a C minus. Maybe I'll give him a C minus because the the running game actually looked okay, and right. I it was great to see Peeney succeed. It really was. Um, Miles Davis. Still has a weird relationship with running. Uh, there's times where he looks like the the back, and then there's other times where he looks like he's never been a running back in his entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'll I'll probably give him a C C minus. Yeah, I mean I I was thinking about that too, like C minus around there, and the only reason is the running game. I yep. think outside of that with how the passing game was and how some of the play calling was. I mean, they went for fourth down on the, like twice, I think. They didn't get it. And then and the one at the end of the game. I mean, I, I get it. Hindsight's twenty twenty, but take the points. You, yeah. It's not like this is your first field goal attempt because you did one earlier in the game. And that was the first field goal attempt since Utah State. Uh, yeah. you, Jake made it. it at that point. I'm not saying that you have a defense you should trust, but I Your think defense you sh- has played better. You you should have just taken the points, and I get it. Hindsight's twenty twenty, but in the moment, if you're even gonna go for it, why are you gonna run up to the ball all quick and just run a play? Like think about it a little more. I wouldn't have cared if you called a timeout before that play. Mm-hmm. Just think about what you're doing more. Um, but yeah, I was gonna give a C minus, literally only because of the rushing game, like the run game. 200 and what, what was it? I had it up on my box score. 244 yards. I mean, that's great. Peeney had a great game. Jaron got off some good runs. Outside of that, a lot of bad play calling. Bad. Uh, there were three of or six of 13 on third down, and 0 for two on fourth down. Passing game was bad. So yeah, C minus. Um, defense. What? I mean. I feel like I can't give them an F because I've given them an F for several weeks, but they did improve in some areas. They held them to less points, technically less yards than the past few weeks as well, by a couple hundred yards. Um, There were two of eight on third down, which is another improvement, which is something that Kalani actually talked about, and that's something you could see improve on the field. Now, granted, the box score doesn't say say anything because – or say everything because – ECU, a lot of their drives, they didn't get to third downs. Right. So, but, but still, two of eight is two of eight. Um, I'll, I'll give them credit where it's due. And so, I'll, I'll just, I guess I'll give them a D for slight improvement, but not a good grade still. I mean, it's still bad performance. Yeah, I'm going to give them a D plus. Uh, you forced two punts. Hey, right, that was <laughs> that was that was an improvement. I mean, considering we had three punts over three games. 
and you got two punts in in one quarter or one half. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you said, it, improvement is happening. It's just it is so hard going through these growing pains, and it's it's tough because you know next year is going to be completely different. Well, I th- there's I mean there's going to be so much turnover on the staff. And there's probably going to be a lot of turnover on the team itself too, like the players on the field. So, and it's one of those things that I, I, you know, I really hope that Kalani, when he gets a new DC, I'm hoping he doesn't tell him like I'd like to keep one, two, and three people. You know, I'd I'd love to keep Tuiaki, I'd love to keep Gennaro, and I'd love to keep Hadley. I hope I, I hope he goes. You can do that, I hope though. he goes to the DC and just says, look. Gennaro's done a great job with our corners. Tuiaki, if you want him to focus solely on defensive line, that's great. Bring your staff. Is it great, though? Because our defensive line just bull rushes. No, I know. But what I'm, <laughs> so, but what I'm saying is, like, go to that defensive coordinator and just say, pick whoever you want. These are the people that I like, but it is all you. You bring your, in, your, you bring your defensive staff. Yeah. And the guy I would like, honestly, is the guy out of Boise State, Frank Miley. Um, I think Kelly Papinga's up there. Um, but I, I, I like him. He was the guy that was at Utah State and was passed up for the head coaching job. Um, and there was a lot of controversy behind that because I think the university president said something that seemed pretty racist at the time. Mm. Um, but that being said... Uh, Whoever he gets, you gotta let him bring his bring in his own staff. Um, special teams, special teams is not getting an F. They're not. And here's the crazy part: the reason I'm mad at special teams is because Hobbs brought the ball out on a kickoff. You yeah. can't do that, honestly. Yeah, there's I, I, at this I, point I there is it. no excuse unless unless you are at the 15 yard line. Like there is like the chances of you actually getting to the twenty five is not gonna work. Yeah, especially because you're allowed to fair catch it. Like yeah, I, I. And so I mean, to be fair, he did he did fair catch it in the second half. But yeah, he just he brought it out one time. It's just like Hobbs. I normally love what you're doing with the special teams. You're normally the exemption. Like honestly, special teams without Hobbs is probably getting a B plus from me. Yeah, just I mean, be like, but with Hobbs, I'm probably gonna have to drop it to a, a B, B minus. I don't know how much of it is Ed Lamb saying bring it out, um, because you know now that he's focused fully on the special teams and how wonderful we we've done all year. Um, but the fact that Jake made a 30 plus yard field goal and it was a 36 yard field goal was great. Rico finally had a decent punt and. They just kicked it through the end zone. I'll probably, I'm, I'm, I'll probably gonna give him a, a B minus this I'll, week. I'll just give him a flat out B. So I will, I will give Hobbs the benefit of the doubt. Sure. Because the entire season he's done so many good things, and I am, I just like you. I to me, if unless you're gonna get past the twenty five, there's no point. It's got to be the parting of the Red Sea, right? And you can see that you can make it to at least the twenty six, right? And I know punt and kick return is different, but I'll give him the benefit of the doubt just because he's had some good punt returns. Yeah. Tested out once on kick return, and it he did. Didn't work out. From that, then he didn't. But he wasn't bringing it out. Yep. So 
I'll just give him a B, which is a vast improvement. We made a field goal. Our first made I field know. goal since did we? So I missed it at Utah State. Did they? They missed in Wyoming. Didn't no, they. they no? Justin Smith. Oh, Justin made, Smith made one. Yeah, made at the Wyoming. end of the game. Yeah, it was like a twenty-five yarder or something so, like that. So it's, it's so it's been since September. What was that? You're telling me 20, you have the dates off the top of your head? Holy cow! I mean, we played. When was that? September twentieth. No, tenth. Yeah, I'm sure 17th, I can actually 24th, find September that. September twenty-fourth. That's when it was. So September twenty-fourth is the last time we made a field goal. Holy crap! It is October thirty-first. I mean, they, they played the game on October 29th, but or 28th, but still, over a month for a field goal made, and a month basically since a field goal attempted. <laughs> so, right. so a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, winless October comes to a close. Hopefully, it doesn't continue into November. Probably going to continue into November. Here's the thing about November. November is normally the Utes' time to shine in a loss. November is normally when the Utes shoot themselves in the foot, so that's what I'm holding on to. That that would be pretty good. And we were we were talking about it, like based off of the way everything's played out, it makes no sense, but it also makes perfect sense that BYU would win this weekend in Boise. Yeah, absolutely. Like if if they win, it's like this is such a BYU thing of them to do. Yeah, to <laughs> to have such a horrible season. Like be four and five right now, and then somehow put it together on the blue turf. Now here's the crazy part: how much of the Utah Tech game would then be a letdown game? <laughs> like I wouldn't be surprised if it was a twenty to six victory, like Portland State back in two thousand seventeen. Right. You know, like something, something awful like that. Anyway, um, you alluded to it. Boise State game this week. Me and you are going up there. Um, it's because of Devin and Devin. If this doesn't show that I love you as a brother, um, yeah, because Kerry gave us the out. He's like, yeah, we can. We don't have to use the hotel. Yeah, but because Devin needs a ride back, we're going. <laughs> we're gonna go. We're gonna spend some money. Um, go, go. <laughs> I, I keep laughing because, you know, I I don't know what to expect from this game. Well, let me rephrase that. I'm expecting a loss. And I'm not just expecting a loss. I'm expecting a blowout loss. And I'm hoping that because the hotel is so close, you're not going to be committed to staying the whole game if it's 41 to 7. And it's like, really? You want to hang on to this? We're just getting into the third quarter. (laughs) That being said, um, you know, this is the type of game that that Boise State's going to be up for, especially because this is... You know, potentially one of the last times they'll they'll play. Yeah, I mean, we don't know when the next time is going to be. Yeah, the the one series the is canceled 12. after this. Um, you know, which I is think crazy because the series was continued until I mean, until they joined the Big Twelve, they had the series. I think confirmed up to twenty thirty six. Yeah, we would have been f- turning forty one that year. Or yeah. we would have been forty one when they were playing that game. Yeah. That's, that's yeah, and crazy. that's and that's the like you know they they that was one thing that they wanted to do was was lock in games for a long time, especially a, a a rivalry game like Boise State, what that has become. Yeah, and and it's become a good a good game for both sides. It really has, and you know, 
Boise State came in last year and spoiled what could have been a great season for us. And I think the year before that, Boise State, or we went we went to Boise State and spoiled what could have been a great season. No, I guess not 2020. It, 2019. Although 2020 was the first time that BYU won on the blue. On the Smurf turf. But I think it was 19 when they came 19. into town. Yeah. And BYU spoiled what was going to be a great season for them. And that's why I, I was looking at the 19 schedule just to figure out what our record was. So going into that game, we were 2-4. and four. And so that's why I, th- I told you, I think on Saturday, this or maybe it was yesterday, this game to me kind of feels like the 2019 game. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's not in Provo. Baylor Romney's not the starting quarterback, right? But BYU's going on a losing streak. Into that game, they lost to Washington, Toledo, and USF. Yep. And there was no reason the BYU should have won that game. Boise State was ranked 14th in the country when they played that game. Uh, granted, they're not ranked 14th in the country now, but it's a similar kind of feel to oh, me. Oh, absolutely. You're, you're and going on this big losing streak. A game you shouldn't win against Boise. It per- makes perfect sense why you should win, though. Or why they're going to win. Not should win. Why they would win. Yeah. And, you know, at this point when we get to the stadium, it'll just be all about the ride. and There's nothing I can really do about it. Just <laughs> just buckle up. Um, if they're losing by enough, I'll leave you in the stadium. I'll walk back to the hotel. And I'll turn on a different game. <laughs> um, that being said, I mean... I, I really don't know what to make of this game. You know, I'll, I'm going to predict a loss, and I'm probably going to predict a, a fairly sizable loss. Uh-huh. Um, but BYU has this knack of going up to Boise State and keeping it close. Um, I think about 2012, the 7-6 loss, and the only reason we lost was because of a I can't remember if it was a pick six or was it a scoop and score. It was a pick six. Um, Thanks, Riley. Yep. And then <laughs> I, I stand by it. Going for two is stupid. Um, and then, you know, what year was that? Was it with Kalani when uh, we had the fourth and the the fourth and nineteen fake punt from our own end that zone. That was two thousand sixteen. That was the first year of Kalani. Yeah. And then in 2018, it was a close game, and it was Zach's first year. That was Zach's first year as a starter, and that's where they had a chance to win the game. It was like fourth and six. Oh, that's right. And they had to score. I remember Zach, Zach up, was really upset after that game. Yeah, Zach ended up taking a sack. Yeah, and it's like that's the true freshman mistake you're yep. gonna see. Yep, that's right. And then 2020, Zach went up there and just torched the team. Yeah. And then this year, I mean, we'll see what happens on that Smurf turf. You've never seen a game at the Smurf turf. I have on not. The Smurf and that's turf. why, even despite how bad the team is playing, I don't know when BYU is going to play there again, and I would never go there if BYU's not playing. So I don't know that I've, I would ever go there. So I, I get to see it in person. See, I've seen Just, BYU win on the Smurf turf once. It wasn't against Boise because uh, we know that they've never the, won. The, the famous Idaho but Potato Bowl. Idaho Potato Bowl. In 2018, um, when Zach went perfect. 18 for 18. Yeah. Um, but as far as a score, give me your score prediction. Let me hear it. Uh, so I'm just going to piggyback off a score that's already happened on the blue. I'm going to go off the 2014 score, except I'm going to make it a more 
round score than what it was because the score that it, it was that would mean that BYU would have to make uh, three field goals. I'm not going to say that's going to happen. Hey, we're back to making field goals. We are back to making field goals. I'm only going to say they're going to make one field goal though. Okay. Um, I'm going to say 55 to 31. Wow. Okay. Because um, that score in 2014, whenever Taysom got hurt and uh, I mean, who was the quarterback playing then? Christian Stewart. Christian Stewart. That's right. Uh, it was 55 to 30. So I'll say 55 31. We get a few touchdowns, a field goal, but they just torch us on defense. See, I don't know what to what to put as my score here. Um, I, you know, I, I just i I don't know how much belief to put into the defense. That's my biggest issue. Um, like I'm, I, I'm somewhat surprised that you have them being stopped for a field goal. Um, that being said, like two field goals actually. Fifty-five is. Yeah, it would be fifty-two then fifty-five. Yeah, or they miss a PAT. Or the, or that there's that's always the possibility. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go a little less scoring. Um, BYU needs to figure that out. They need to figure out the scoring if they're gonna get this win. I am gonna go with a. 42-24 for Boise State. Mm-hmm. Um, I think our defense is improving. It is not improved. Um, but, yeah, I think I I, I, I I just don't have much faith in this offense over what we've seen the past two weeks between Liberty and um, ECU. And so I think 24 – um, maybe Max Tooley gets his third pick six if he's playing. Um, but, but yeah, I think 42-24. And what's funny is I actually I see this game as being close early. And then I see Boise State in the second quarter really starting to torch BYU. Mm-hmm. And then and then the third and fourth quarter is just about kill on clock and and Boise State just methodically going down and driving and BYU can't do anything. So, and I'm not saying that BYU is going to score 24 in the first quarter, but uh-huh. um, you know I I could see a 14-14 game after the first quarter and then and then just losing that later yeah. on. So, so I got 42-24. You got 55-31. Um, We'll we'll see what happens. You know, maybe maybe we'll do a, a a quick recording while we're there, since it's just me and you going up there. Our wives are, your wife has got some bachelorette party. My wife's uh-huh. staying here, so we'll we'll see. Um, should have a good time. Maybe we'll even record in the car. Get my get my brothers. Well, you take. know what? I, you know what I thought about is we could record. What would we call it? Uh, Sports Weeksly in the driveway. That's just a, a combination of our podcast. Oh and my Devin's gosh! Podcast. Hatch in the driveway. Shout out to Hatch in the driveway. Yeah, um, we need a new episode. Some funny, some funny moments on that show. Uh, that slaps. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I consider I consider it the uh, intended Seinfeld of podcasts. Oh yeah. That it's a it's a podcast about nothing. 
Um, it's intended to be as successful as Seinfeld, but it is not. That being said, Devin, get your friends together, put together a put together a, a show. Maybe we'll even start our own podcast network. <laughs> sure. Yeah. There you and, go. And, the week's and, podcast yeah, maybe, network. Maybe we'll do a a, a quick quick hitter uh, episode in the car. Our reaction to the game. Um, and then yeah, maybe we'll we'll title it as Sports Weeksly in the Driveway. Yeah, that'll be you, that'd be good. Go. Yeah. All right. Last thing before we wrap up, I wanted to bring up so the the Big Twelve made a got a TV deal with ESPN and Fox. Love that. Um. So for twenty twenty three and twenty four, it is going to be eighteen million per school, which is kind of like it's what it is now. And the four new schools are going to get half of that, I believe. But the new deal is in – it's a six-year deal that runs through 2031. And it is $380 million per year, which is a base of about $32 million per school. Yeah. Um, and then on top of that, in, when you include college football playoff and just regular NCAA revenue, you're going to be looking at close to $50 million per school, which – Supposedly BYU makes somewhere between five and ten million on their current deal with ESPN. I maybe who knows that number's I don't think out there, right. but this will be out there. And so I just wanted to get some of your ideas. Whenever this Big Twelve checks start coming to BYU, what should BYU and their athletic department do to improve? The teams, facilities, like what would you do with the money? Because this isn't like this is BYU money, this is church money. And like there's a reason that BYU doesn't put a lot of money into athletics because a lot of it is the church's money. Sure. This is going to be straight up Big 12 athletic money. So I think BYU should spend it. Yeah. So what would you do? Um, Southfield needs to be completely revamped. Um, that's where the uh, That's where women's soccer plays. Um, I think rugby plays there in the spring, mm-hmm. and that's also a club sport. So like, you can't be like, it's the rugby field when you know Title Nine, all that stuff. Right. Well, so well, I um, mean, and the women's soccer team is really good too. So yeah. <laughs> um. So I think you got to completely revamp Southfield. Uh, I think make it look a lot better. I even you know I originally thought when they bought Provo High School, I thought it was like, why not move the stuff over there. Uh-huh. Like you've got bleachers on both sides now. Like, why not? Um, that being said, yeah, I'd lo- I'd love that. Um, as far as stuff like to Lavelle Edwards Stadium, I think they're doing a good job as it is right now. Uh, there's no reason to close in the corners and make it like a bowl, just because. I mean, you were there on on Friday. The, the attendance, especially from the Rock, was awful. <laughs> yeah. And what's funny is like you know, I the, can't blame them. The like, east, south, like as far as like regular fans, the east, the east, south, and west sides were actually pretty full. It was the north side that that struggled a little bit with mm-hmm. with people, and so you know, adding seats isn't going to do anything for you. Right. You're not selling out games all the time. Like it's not going to be like I can't imagine how many people are going to be at the Utah Tech game, but it's it's not going to be a lot. There were a lot more games. Unless you're going to get another Cormani McLean at the game and they sell out the 
sell out the game because of the five-star recruit is here. Right. By the way, he committed to Miami. And what's really funny is in the commitment announcement, in the graphic, there's a pile of cash on the left. Which I just find hilarious. They're not. Really? They're not even hiding it. Like wow. this is this is just what we're doing. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, as far as other stuff you can do, you know they they've recently redone a lot of stuff in the Marriott Center. You really don't need to do much. Maybe maybe the concourse itself or the outside could look a lot better. Uh-huh. Um, I do think that you need to redo the press boxes on Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Uh, make those like. It's funny sitting in my seat and looking over and seeing like what they look like, and it's like uh, I wouldn't necessarily call this luxury. Right. Like honestly, I don't. I, it, it doesn't look great. I would also love so at USF when USF scored. I mean the fact that the the lights would flash green and gold. I loved that. If you can have something like that at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, where it's just like blue flashes. After BYU scores, oh, I would love that. It gets you more hyped for it. You can use it for the fourth quarter stuff. Like, I I believe that would be like stuff like that would be fun. Um, but yeah, as far as like other other programs, I really like maybe maybe you look at the Smithfield House, but at the same time, it's like it's also very <laughs> historic and iconic. Right. Well, to me, the Smithfield House, what I would do, I mean, I'll just go through some of the stuff I would do. So, I agree. I think that Southfield needs to be just renovated, yep. make, make it a lot nicer than what it is right now. Especially and, for a team that is consistently in the top 25 in women's soccer. Yeah. Um, Smithfield House, the only thing that I would do is improve the seats. Like, put sure. new seats in there. Absolutely. Take this, like the seats that you got at the Marriott Center. Get some more of those and put uh-huh. those in Smithfield House. Yeah, yeah. and I, I, mean, I would agree. If you want to keep the the benches in the back of Smithfield House for historic reasons or whatever, like the wood benches, I say sell them. Then <laughs> that's what sure. they, that's what there's they probably some the, boosters that would buy them. That's what they did with the Marriott Center seats. Like oh, really? With, with those benches, you could buy those. Like huh. during that in 2020, yeah, when they were trying to raise a bunch of money, you could buy those seats. I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, do it that. But again, like if you want to keep the historical reasons, like they're the wood benches. I don't know how long they've been like that, but whatever. I would just improve the seats in the Smithfield sure. House. Absolutely. Um, and then as far as Lavelle Edwards Stadium goes, nothing really much around the stadium. I mean, if you want to put some different things around the concourse, at like walking around the stadium, maybe some like new food things within the stadium. Maybe get cougar tails on both levels. Um, <laughs> There you go. I mean, the press box, I, I agree. I think you could improve the press box. but And I'm going to say this for, I mean, football, I'm, I'm definitely like football biased, but I think that you could probably do this. I don't know what the locker rooms look like for basketball and, or any other the other sports. I think just improving locker rooms across the board. Um, because every recruit, whether it's football or other sports, a lot of the recruits look at what you have to offer in facilities. Well, sure. The the BYU football locker room, it, it, it's already been very improved. I don't know if you've seen pictures and stuff like that. Oh, I've seen it. It looks real nice. It, it, it does look real nice. But now you just have fun money to throw around so you can improve on other things. Okay. Well, <laughs> I mean, you're, you're yeah. multiplying what you're getting per year by a minimum of probably – Five or six, 
assuming they say they make five million a year from ESPN, you're you're multiplying it by six. Yeah. So, like, you're just gonna have fun money <laughs> to do what you want. Yeah, that's fair. And then another thing, and this again, this can go for other sports, but I can't really talk about other sports because I don't know them as well. But I think you should use money to improve recruiting, and that means going to recruits, not just expecting them to come to you. I see Kyle Whittingham at games. Hey, going to we games. have already harped on this. No, I know. No, uh, don't don't you dare start getting into your recruiting. No, 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 again. no. This is a short. <laughs> this is a short thing, and this I've, I haven't brought up really that much. I see, I see Kyle Whittingham going to games in a helicopter. I'm not saying you need to do that, but travel to some of these recruits. And this goes for sports outside of football as well. Basketball too. On on women's. Well, what's men's, amazing is basketball. They matter. do. They do. Mark Pope goes to like Africa. Right. <laughs> Right, and it's just like, okay, how come we can't get a coach to drive five minutes up the road Yeah, to a temp view game? Yeah, that's, that's something that I would improve on. Like, you can, you can travel more, especially with the type of money that you have. But, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there, and there's probably things we're not even thinking about that they'll do, but it, it's going to be a vastly different environment at BYU athletically just because of how much money they're going to be bringing in from that TV deal. Yeah. And it'll be great, hopefully. Um, but, yeah, that, that pretty much wraps it up. That's all the BYU news. We didn't really talk about the game as much as we had prior weeks, but nothing we hadn't really already said before. Yeah, it's it's all kind of the same now. So, anyway, um, thank you for listening, and we will catch you next week. See ya.